Hello, everybody. Welcome to the 11th episode of the Wimblex podcast. We're delighted that today with us is Ali Nignam. He, before uh, starting an online bank, disrupted the uh, hosting industry in the Netherlands with Transipay. And he's also the founder of the Data Center Group. Um, Ali, my first question to you is, how did you come up with the idea to start a bank? Well, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, the idea to start a bank came uh, a while back. So I had this, uh, these other companies, TransIP and uh, DCG in short. And uh, uh, I was mainly focused on TransIP. And um, I was spending a lot of time there. And we attracted a lot of great talent. And this talent grew and grew and grew. And we came to the point that uh, I came to the conclusion that it was best for the company and also for this talent for me to step aside so they could flourish even further. Now, this, of course, gave me a lot of time to wander around and uh, think on what to do with my life. At the time, I was still young and I had less gray hairs. <laughs> um, still not really visible. So. Well, <laughs> well, you're just being charming. Really. <laughs> well, I'm bold, so <laughs> I, know, I know the problem with hair. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I, I figured on what to do and I started writing a book because uh, this was a lifelong dream of mine and it actually got published in Dutch. It's called uh, Ondernemers hebben nooit geluk. Uh, which loosely translates to entrepreneurs never catch a break. Um, and during that book, I kind of uh, look back on all the great things I experienced with TransIP and how it came to be that we got started with literally nothing during my uh, computer science uh, studies and, you know, became the biggest in the, in the Netherlands in just five years uh, and continue to be by far the yes. biggest in the, in the Netherlands, as you might know. I know. Yeah. Um, and then I came uh, to the conclusion that I wanted to do something new because, you know, sitting on a beach uh, with a big boat was kind of seemed kind of boring to me. That's where you wrote your book on that boat. Uh, no, no, I've never owned a boat. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm actually quite a focused, hard worker, as it turns out. And uh, it it appeared to me that I like to do two things. One, I really like to build new products that uh, delight people, that surprise people, that people love to use. Creating new products is, is what I really live for. And um, secondly, that uh, I wanted to do something with uh, uh, a material uh, community impact. Um, and so I wandered a bit around, you know, maybe to do something with the environment, maybe go to Africa, do something with water. And then it dawned to me that, you know, that's not really me. And at the same time, the financial crisis started. Um, and so when I, was this about? About uh, 2010, 2011. Okay. Um, and, you know, I saw a lot of people getting hurt. Uh, a lot of my fellow friends couldn't get mortgages anymore or came into problems because of the housing prices. A lot of my uh, entrepreneurial friends uh, uh, got into problems. Some literally went bankrupt because they couldn't get credit anymore. And at the same time, I saw, uh, you know, people just being angry at each other and shouting things at each other. And suddenly all bankers were the devil. And, you know, the bankers, you know, I... I've come to learn a lot of bankers. Uh, I have to say, with the exception of a few, most are not the devil. It's a system, uh, not it's the person. A, it's per a se, system. Well, there are some evil persons, but okay. mostly it's a system. Yeah. And you know, th the solutions didn't really feel like solutions to me. They were more like patchwork. 
And then it dawned on me like, okay, well, this is a system that is really affecting everybody in society. Um, and it's, you know, it's completely clear that it's completely flawed and nobody's really solving it. So I figured, okay, let's start and uh, start doing things differently so um, we can completely fix the system. Great. And, and obviously the financial industry is huge. Yes. What part of the system are you now fixing? Well, um, I think up until that part and even today, uh, all banks are roughly the same. If you go to ING, for instance, which is of course a Dutch, a huge Dutch bank for those who don't know, um, and you change their orange color to green, um, and you know you you change the, the the banners a little bit, you can distinguish it from ABN AMRO, which is another Dutch bank. Um, many banks offer the same products, offer the same type of service, um, by and large employ the same type of people. So there's really no freedom of choice. And uh, our profound belief is that the financial crisis was a systemic crisis because uh, there is no diversity in the system. All the suppliers are uh, roughly the same and as we know from nature uh, it doesn't matter how strong the tree is or how strong the crop is if it's a monoculture sooner or later it's going to run into trouble because the way nature solves uh, uh, resiliency is by having a lot of diverse different crops uh, maybe one grows a little bit more when it's sunny maybe the other grows a little bit more when it's rainy and so the balance as a whole is very stable and so, um, what we try to do with Bank is to do things differently. So for the first time in a very long time, there's the freedom of choice. You have all these traditional banks, you have ABN AMRO, you have ING, you have Rabobank in the Netherlands. Um, if you go to Germany, you have Deutsche Bank, Commerzbank, well, all these guys, you know, I would all categorize them as traditional banks where you roughly get the same experience on the one hand, and then you have Bank, Bank of the Free, where you get this completely different service, completely different products, completely different user experience. Um, and so for the first time in a long time, you as a user are able to choose between, do I want to stick with the old dinosaurs um, that offer uh, uh, a certain benefit, or do I want to go with new guys that offer me the freedom of choice, that empower me to do whatever I want, um, that help me save time, that allow me to you know, do everything from my mobile phone so I never have to go to the bank branch, or, and this is also a, a solution, do I want to use both? Use one for a certain uh, group of things and use the other for a different group of things. And, and so you said, um, well, we eliminate the retail network of banks. Um, you're able to manage all your banking affairs with a mobile app. Um, what, what kind of um, differentiators are in the app? Because ING or ABN AMRO also have an app. Yes. Well, I think um, it's not. Um, it's uh, the goal of bank is not to eliminate the retail uh, uh, branch of the banks. The goal of bank is to supply a completely different user experience, um, a user experience where you are uh, uh, in control, where you are. Uh, the person who decides what happens, and a user experience that is as convenient uh, and easy and smooth as possible. Okay. 
That is the mindset. So you that developed think from a UX perspective. Precisely. Okay. So if you have that mindset, then given the current technology and state of affairs, the logical consequence is that you have this great app that is beautiful and easy to use. Uh, and it's not the other way around. So I think if you take that into uh, consideration, then it becomes very clear that, yes, the other banks have apps too. Um, but for them, an app is just a channel. For us, you, and making you happy, is our sole uh, raison d'etre, <laughs> is our sole purpose. And we do that with the app today, and maybe someday we will do it through some other way, but we are here to make sure that you are in control and have the freedom of choice to do whatever you want, whenever you want, and with whomever you want. And actually, I did some user research here in the office yep. at Dept, and yep. um, one of my colleagues, Daniel Bonacci, who, uh, yep. who is our strategy director, yep. he, he showed me the app and he showed some functionalities like scanning invoices or having the opportunity to open multiple IBAN accounts very easily, so multiple uh, banking accounts. Yeah. How do you get this information? How do you do your user research? Yeah, um, I think one of the cool things at Bank is that we are really close with our users. Um, we are a very open platform uh, um, where many of our users are on together.bank.com and we can share ideas and knowledge and experiences together. We uh, spend a lot of time making sure that we are uh, present uh, uh, on that platform and that we uh, uh, look very closely on what our users want. Um, so that's one uh, um, one big way. And th the second way is um, because of our tech background, uh, Bunk is founded by tech guys. I'm a coder by, by, by heart. Um, we are very observant into what people want and the struggles they deal with in everyday life. For instance, the invoice scanning that will help any entrepreneur, I mean, I don't know if you know an entrepreneur who likes to do the administrative tasks, but I don't know any. Um, I always used to dislike it. It was my least favorite thing to do as an entrepreneur. And so, you know, using that as input, we try to make an entrepreneur's life more easy. And then we come up with the solution. Hey, wouldn't it be cool if you have an invoice and you just tap the button on your phone and it fills in all the payment details and you get a picture of the invoice and you don't have to do any manual labor anymore. So these are the two ways that we try okay. to stay close with our users. And, and um, we're both Tesla drivers. You, yeah. um, you compared yourself a little bit to how Tesla was founded. Tesla is a computer on wheels. Yeah. Um, would you say Bunk is an IT company in finance or are you uh, a bank as we look at them from a traditional perspective? I would say that uh, uh, we are a company that truly cares about our users' needs. Okay. Um, we use tech to do that in the most efficient and most pleasant way possible. Yeah. And the, uh, uh, the, the location where we just happened to start is banking. Okay, so what's next? <laughs> Time will tell. Okay. Time cool. will tell. Banking is still a very huge challenge, uh, so let's indeed. fix that first and yeah. then we look further. And um, well, you said before that you uh, just like Tesla, by the way, is more of an energy company than a car company. Indeed, with the power uh, batteries and, yeah. uh, <laughs> and solar, solar city, city. Yeah. and flying people to the moon, yeah. maybe with his other company yeah. <laughs> to, to Mars. Yeah. Um, so you said before that that you try to be the bank of the free. 
And yes. also for entrepreneurs, provide freedom with uh, services like invoice scanning. Yes. Um, if, if you look at your target audience, um, yes. and you would divide them, um, um, how does that look, consumer banking versus uh, uh, business uh, banking? I think uh, we try to uh, target humans okay. and persons yeah. um, in their full glory and the full diversity of what humans do. So if you look at our demographic, we have a lot of people aboard, yeah. uh, uh, bunkers as some call themselves, being part of the Bank of the Free. So what we try to do is make human life as easy and seamless as possible. Now, if you happen to have your own business, that's fine. If you have a couple of employees, that's fine. If you are an employee yourself, that's fine. If you want to live together with someone, that's fine. If you are a tech uh, a lover and want to see the li it's fine. So we try to aspire to you know your desires as a human being rather than just chop you up in some kind of group and try to address the group. Cool. And and and. Um, going back to that, looking at people from a human perspective, um, you, you're obviously a company that, that has just started, if you compare yourself to, yep. to the <laughs> more old-fashioned banks. Yeah. That also means, and that's also a comment that Daniel, my colleague, made, he said that he was still a bit hesitant to transfer large sums of money through bank. Yeah. Uh, compared to well uh, the the old-fashioned uh, look of ING, where you know that the trustworthiness is being taken care of. Yeah. Um, how are you dealing with that factor? How are you trying to get yourself on par with the trustworthiness that some of the larger banks might have? I mean, there are a lot of scandals that are <laughs> happening with them, but still, if, if, if you want to transfer a large sum of money, then you know with ING or with ABN AMRO that's being taken care of and there's a lot of um, yeah, uh, laws behind it to, to ensure that your money is safe. Uh, with punk, obviously, these laws apply as well, but, but how are you taking care of that, that, that mindset that Daniel still had? Yeah, uh, well, I think a part of the answer is what you just said. Um, bank adheres to the precise same laws and principles as all the other banks. Um, so your money is uh, guaranteed up okay. to 100,000 euros, like any other bank. Yep. Um, because we fall under the deposit uh, guarantee scheme. And is that per IBAN or overall? Uh, like any other bank, it's per uh, user. Per, per user. Person. Per person. Yeah, okay. Per person. Um, now, as for the perception, I think uh, uh, time will need to do its work a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but l let me ask you a question. Let's say you have two doors. Behind door number one, uh, there's a banker. Behind door number two, there is a coder, <laughs> a programmer. You need to entrust one of the two with something very private and very secret that is important to you. It might be money, it might be something else, it might be your privacy, it might be, you know, you, you want to share something with someone. Which of the doors would you pick? The banker or the <laughs> coder? Well, if, if, if I look at myself from an entrepreneurial tech perspective, yeah. I would go for the coder because I know the magic they go. can do. If I look at um, like the larger audience in the Netherlands, then yeah. I still think people would now pick the, the well, a, a majority of people would still pick the banker because of the 
uh, the feeling they have that, that yeah, uh, maybe a I'm coder is, is associated I'm with, with blockchain technology or other things that they are, they still find a bit scary. So I the awareness for... I'm pretty convinced yeah? that if you ask Daniel the same question, yeah. precise door number one, there's a banker, door number two, there's he a coder. He will give you the answer of the coder. He <laughs> would give the answer of the coder. Yeah. And we have two more people here. Um, I'm pretty convinced if we would ask them, they would say the same thing. So there's a disconnect between the people we trust and the institutions we trust. And sooner or later, this disconnect is going to get aligned. People will be like, hey, wait a minute. If I trust coders more, if I trust tech guys more, or if I, or if I trust you know, small businesses more rather than large corporates, why do I trust the institution that is run by these people more? So this is just a matter of time. Okay, great. Um, looking at your internationalization in this podcast, the Wim Lexio, we have a lot of listeners from Germany. Oh. Um, you started uh, your activities. I love Germany. <laughs> I was just at the Toberfest. Really? Great. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. You obviously uh, started uh, in Germany as well. Um, we have a lot of German colleagues, and, and, yes. and if I look in, in general also on the sites and apps we develop in Germany, mm -hmm. there's one thing that, that always strikes me, and that's how uh, Germans uh, are uh, perceiving data security and their privacy, yeah. much more than the Dutch, I would say. Yes. H how do you deal with that as a bank? Well, um, I think one of the nice things of Bank is one of our pillars was, of course, that we don't sell your private information. Yeah. Um, so privacy has always been at the core of who we are because, again, if we go back to the foundation of our ideology and the way we think is we want to make sure that your desires as a human being are being addressed. We want to delight you with what we do. That's our starting point, right? So we don't think that you would feel comfortable um, you know, I wouldn't feel comfortable if somebody would sell my personal data. So why would I found a, a company that does this to other people? Um, so I think we are very well positioned for the German market okay. also yeah. because... So what's your growth strategy for Germany specific? Well, um, it's the same as in the Netherlands. Yeah. We give you an app that makes your life easier with the security of a banking yeah. license. Um, that will uh, empower you to do whatever you want, whenever you want, with whomever you want, that makes you feel like you're part of something instead of, you know, you just being a slave to this big corporate institution. Um, and an app that actually applies to, uh, uh, applies and adjusts to your way and your style of living so you can be free. Okay. And, and in terms of um, marketing resources and, and staffing, yes. um, how, how, how does your German growth trajectory look like? Well, the way, we like to, uh, uh, the way we like to do these things is we like to start really small and under the radar, uh, gather the first group of uh, oh. bank users, okay. really look at how they use the app, what they like, what they don't like, because paying is something very personal. It's very uh, intimate. Um, during the day, there is 
not many things maybe refreshing uh, Facebook or, yeah. or, or you know Instagram or whatever you do but apart from those things paying is the thing you do most during a day um, so it's a very intimate relationship you have um, and it's also a relationship you have with other people right you go to the baker there's a transaction you pay you go to your coffee lady there's a transaction you pay and because it's such intimate process um, there are differences. There are small differences that you might have uh, noticed as well between the Germans and the Dutch and the Dutch and the, uh, the Spanish and the Spanish and the Italians. Because so those are two other markets that you recently launched, yeah. Italy and Spain. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what we like to do is we like to take our time and see what it is that people like locally in their way of living and what it is that can be improved. And then we take our time to make sure that they come to a level where they really notice that bunk is really adding value to their lives. Like Daniel, in your case, that is super enthusiastic. How many people do you know that are enthusiastic about a bank, <laughs> right? <laughs> that by well, itself is so he, special. He, he loves design and UX and, and there we go. that's one there of his traits, but I there agree. There we go. That's, uh, so we try to get up to that level and uh, when we hit that level, then we go on. Okay. Cool. And, and, and hitting that level and, and, and growing um, more rapidly. Uh, yeah. We obviously have seen a large fintech IPO in the Netherlands of Adyen. Yes. And uh, I read in the, in the news that, that you also um, well said in your annual report that you might be open for external investments to speed up growth. Um, no, that that's really not the case. Okay. That's grossly inaccurate, actually. Okay. Um, it was on a uh, Dutch national newspaper, so <laughs> they yeah. incorrectly stated that. Uh, yes, first of all, it yeah. wasn't in our annual report. Second of all, okay. uh, what happened is that I got asked, hey, it, what if someday an investor yeah. would knock on the door? What would happen then? I said, well, uh, I won't say no upfront to anybody because I think that would, I mean, I don't think it's a smart thing to say no upfront to anything. I mean, you have to consider your choices, but uh, the chance of us attracting investors at the, at the time is not very big. Okay. That's what I said. And okay. So you're still financing it yourself now? Yes. Okay. And that got turned into, Bunk is open for investments, and that <laughs> made all the headlines. Because we are such a loved brand okay. in the Netherlands, um, people pay a lot of attention to what we do. And you're well-known figure here as well, so yeah, I, I imagine guess, that yeah. helps as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, so you plan to, to finance your growth strategy in Germany, in, in, in Spain and so Italy? It, it depends. Well. Okay. It depends. There too, we do what makes sense. Okay. So up until now, um, because we like to take our time and yeah. make sure that you as an end user get this amazing experience that you can't have anywhere else, we decided to fund it ourselves. Okay. Or I decided to fund it yeah. myself, to be more precise. Because I like to have the space and time to really invest in that relationship with our end users. Yeah. Now, traditional investors, they and th there's nothing wrong with that, but of course they have a different goal in mind. They just want to have a return on their investment within three, t three to four years, sometimes five years. That has to match with the state of the company that you're in. Okay. So if I would have done that five years ago, 
they would have expected uh, a return by now, which is, I think, way too early. Yep. My horizon is way longer. I want focusing to on growth now. I'm focusing on uh, on and growth by making users. our end users happy, and <laughs> this is the fundamental yeah. thing. Yeah. And, and, and in terms of, um, yeah, you talked a lot about end users and also your, your uh, view on, on, on growth and finance and also how you start small in, in uh, but, but really get the information you need in, in other markets. Um, looking at your company and, and people that work at your company, uh, how many uh, bunkers are there right now? We are about 90 people now. 90 people. Yeah. How do you call them? Bunkers? Um, that well, that, that's, <laughs> that's uh, an interesting thing by itself because uh, we use uh, we uh, started to call ourselves bunkers inside of the walls, yeah. but then we noticed that many of the users that use bunk also call themselves okay. bunkers. So it's it, there too. You see that yeah. the, the the community and you know it's all very much intertwined. Yeah. Oh, nice. And, and looking back at the bunkers that work in your office, yeah. um, um, what I could see from the outside is that you're like a, 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 an inspirational figure and also a hardworking figure. So you probably request most of your people. Um, and if, if you read some comments on Glassdoor, there are very positive ones, but also some people who say that it's, it's really like a work hard, play hard culture. Um, what kind of people do you think thrive best at Bunk? Well, I think uh, work hard, play hard really sums it up well. Um, I think you can compare us to the special forces. Um, so we have a lot of very bright, very determined people. Okay. Um, just last night uh, I had an appointment at nine and somebody came in and he noticed this energy and this vibe that is present at Bunk. Yeah. Um, and that is very special. Um, we have a lot of people who used to be top athletes or top musicians. Um, so that's really the mindset you have to have at Bunk to, to thrive and succeed. And the flip side to that is that if you have that mindset, there are not that many companies that really embrace that, uh, that and provide you with uh, an environment where that is appreciated and cultivated. So if you know people with that mindset, please <laughs> let them know there's one company in the Netherlands where they are very much appreciated. Cool. And, and um, um, what's the average age at, at Bunk? I believe it's 28 now. Okay. Are you, are you looking for talented youngsters or are you mostly finding a, a nice balance between also experience and, uh, and talent? Well, there we don't believe in a, a dogmatic approach at Bunk. Okay. So we are looking for talented, dedicated, bright people. If you're 16, we've had 16-year-olds, <laughs> that's fine. If you're 60, we've had 60 uh, years. 16 was the age that you started your first company. I 16 was the age <laughs> I started my first company. Okay. Yeah, and uh, um, uh, we had an intern that totally loved Bunk uh, last summer. He wanted to spend the entire summer with us, and we accom accommodated that, although we normally don't do it. But for him, because he was smart, he was passionate, he was energetic, we told him, look, you're a special kid. We're not going to let you go. Please come over. We had a great time. He did a great job. Um, a couple of months ago, something similar happened with a 17-year-old who uh, celebrated his 18th birth birthday at Bank. So we are a very special group of people. Cool. Wow. And I'm really proud of each and every one of them. Okay. And, and um, if I look at you as an entrepreneur, um, well, uh, I said in the introduction to the listeners that you, uh, you're the founder of TransiPay, uh -huh. owner of the data center group, and, and, and now Bunk. You have three companies, basically. Yeah. How do you divide your time? Um, what I really like to do is focus on one thing and then 
uh, do that really, really well. And that one thing currently is Bunk. Okay. Um, uh, both at DCG, which I co-founded, and at TransIP, which I founded, uh, we have a lot of amazing talent. Um, and I like to work with people I trust and I rely on for a longer period of time. So what you can see now is that those companies are being run with people I know for years that are um, um, similar-minded to the people we have at Bank now. They're very much dedicated, very bright, and super focused. Um, uh, de creme de la creme. <laughs> um, and I fully trust them with my eyes closed to do uh, probably better than I could do myself. And so you're not in the office on a daily basis anymore? At, no, at frankly, um, uh, I'm, I'm very much ashamed because I still uh, am very much emotionally attached to both companies, but I'm very much ashamed that I uh, don't have the uh, space uh, and time to, to visit them more often. Um, I think um, um, because TransIP has four offices now since our latest acquisition. Um, I've been doing my best to, to visit the new offices, but I haven't been able to do so. And, you know, I, if there's one thing I really dislike of uh, my current situation is that I don't have more time to spend uh, with the people I, I like. It's uh, always a challenge as an entrepreneur when you're so focused on yes. delivering quality on one yes, thing. Yes, you can't have, uh, have it both ways. So. True. Yeah. Um, we are starting to wrap this, this conversation up. Um, yeah. my, my final question is, what do you see as the key challenges for Bunk to succeed in this, this uh, fintech world? Um, I think the, uh, the key challenge is the mindset that we discussed earlier. I think that uh, I would like to ask many people who hear this or who hear uh, something about Bunk from a friend to give it a try. You can try Bunk, no strings attached. You get the app within five minutes. You get to experience uh, all the amazing things that makes Bunk Bunk. Uh, if you use it properly and you really use it, you start to see how it makes you feel free so you can be part of Bank of the Free. Use it, it's completely free the first 30 days. Use it, be part of it, experience it, and then decide whether it's for you or not. Cool. Great. Well, thank you so much, Ali, for being You're in this uh, podcast. Thank you for having me. Uh, great insights uh, for our listeners. And um, yeah, I'm uh, one of those persons that will try the app for 30 days and, and, cool. and experience if I'm uh, one of the bunkers uh, for the future. So thanks again. Um, well, this uh, closes the 11th podcast of the Wim Lectio. Thank you for listening. <laughs>